the uh, talk. The talk this afternoon is an exploration of uh, bodily uh, life. I would like to take a couple of minutes to make reference in a general way and from there uh, with you go to uh, the specifics. It's a rather obvious fact with life that wherever we go in this world our uh, body comes along with us uh, so to speak. It is of the many many items we might say in this world that we participate in that the physical life, uh, the body is one of those which has immense importance and significance for us. Much of our peace of mind is related to feeling and being healthy physically and how easily there is a loss of peace of mind when there is pain and uh, sickness. So this mutual influence takes place in our life, a constant dynamic in which the heart and mind has an influence on the body, it can contribute to its health and its well-being. The same heart and mind, its condition, due to the intimacy, can have an unhealthy impact make us unwell, make us sick. And we need a wide variety of resources to address this fullness of being human, of which there are many numerous aspects to it, and one of which is the relationship uh, to the body. Um, we live in very, very difficult times. Human history has, of course, a long, long history of very, very difficult uh, times. And the one of the aspects of uh, all of this in relationship to health is that, to a very large extent, we are fed by a food industry which is killing us. It has immense control over human population. Its primary purpose is to stimulate pleasurable sensations. It is encouraging human beings to eat processed food, chemical food, junk food, food which is fattening, food which is making us sick, and food which is having a long-term impact upon our health and well-being. We live in a time in which our governments are unwilling, unable to make any impact on the amount of fat, sugar, salt and chemicals which are fed through to us 
day in and day out with the primary intention in food and drink is to increase the level of addiction to those substances. It's, food has become one of the most major expressions of substance abuse. It's a tragic situation. The addiction is having terrible consequences on our communities, on the elderly, on the middle-aged and on the young. And we find ourselves, though recognising it, helpless and unable, except in few cases where there's enough consciousness, to actually do anything about it. It's not even easy for any human being to do it for herself or himself. And it's extraordinarily difficult to change this corrupt, rotten food industry and the system that it operates under through advertising. It's very difficult to change any of that. We are controlled, we are oppressed, and the impact on that is widespread on our animal community, on the terrible, tortuous conditions which they live under in factory farms, on the birds, the chickens and other uh, uh, winged creatures, and of course uh, on, on fish. So we live in a situation where this oppression, this impact, and then we are told that it's your choice. As though a human being can just like that, at any moment in her or his life, just, just decide, I'm going to change my diet, I'm going to change the amount that I eat, I'm going to change what I eat, and I'm going to live a really organic, healthy food diet. Plenty of you here, perhaps all of you here, are certainly dedicated to that, to your credit, and committed to that. But you are a very small minority. That's not the situation for others. And with all the poisoning that's taking place and all the health consequences that is uh, taking place, and that, that including heart disease, cancer, high blood pressure, diabetes, the primary causes of all of this is diet. It's not genetic, it's, the, it's diet. It's what's being fed to people. We look at all of that and we say, whoa, do I want to live as a kind of slave to that food industry? What do I need to consider in a relationship to, uh, to all, all, all of that? And it isn't easy to speak up either. It's not easy to address these matters. There is often a fear and anxiety that if we speak up about it, oh, we'll sound like obsessives. We'll sound like mis food missionaries. We'll sound like, oh, you're so judgmental, or whatever. And because those voices go out to us a great deal, we stay quiet. We don't want to say, I live on a plant-based diet. We don't want to say, oh, I am a, a, a vegan. We don't want to go to somebody's home or somebody's parties and say, frankly, I, this is not the food that I eat. We want to please. But in wanting to please, we lose our integrity. 
You have to keep trust and faith with what is, in this case, a healthy diet. And in the tradition, of course they didn't have the, all of this problem of GM food and chemical food. It was all organic a couple of thousand years ago uh, uh, there. But it is a tradition uh, of the Buddha, of exploration, of authority, of you and I finding our voice and not being afraid to express our voice. Not being afraid to say yes to this and no to that. doesn't matter who it is. And for that it takes quite some quiet um, inquiry and sustaining of our uh, commitment and talking about it. And when people start to talk and start to share and start to say we need to change things need to change this criminal food industry uh, there and we need to change it by, because we are going to change our diet we're not going to touch that food we're not going to go into McDonald's we're not going to go and buy the backside of a cow or the leg of a chicken we're going to keep away from all of that and there's plenty there's more than enough protein <coughs> in, in other diets There is more problem in life with health with too much protein. So we we look at that and we explore that and we see what are other people doing? What way can we connect and cooperate uh, uh, with others? So that the occasional lovely piece of uh, barfi which they make uh, here or the sweet or or the piece of... uh, uh, black chocolate, which I have to say I love, etc. It's not because there is any hunger. It's for the sweet taste of... It's not to fill a hole. That's the difference. We have here a very modest of the modest uh, uh, diets... And a very big thank you, of course, to our beloved uh, uh, cooks, to uh, Mahadev. It's a wonderful name for a man to have. Maha means great. Dave is Deva, a great angel. So we have a great angel looking behind, looking after us in the kitchen uh, uh, behind us. And so there are examples, let us say, of as much as possible within the limits and the conditions of exploring and finding a quiet diet in which, in the relationship to that, one needs the capacity, and it's a great one for a human being to have, it is the ability to say no. It is the contemporary action of renunciation, of letting go and sometimes we need I'm one of those we need a kind of stimulus for this I might have the idea if I'm talking, Christopher's talking now personally I might have the idea as I've been vegetarian if I may say since the 19 God how old am I 1970s alright since the 1970s oh there and once on a retreat at the Ward House in, um, in Germany, 
Andernack, not so far from Bonn. One night, I had these immense bodily pains. Uh, I mean, I have a little practice, of course, with bodily pain. This was um, at another uh, uh, level. Whoa! And the bodily pains were just running all through the body. I had no idea what the hell is going on. And it started in the evening, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, so late, early Sunday morning, it means one or two o'clock in the morning, I knocked on Nicole's door and I said to her, I uh, need to get this checked out. Couldn't lie down, couldn't stand up, <coughs> holding the stomach area all around here, etc. So very kindly they drove me to the hospital and the, the doctor in the middle of the night said, oh, gastroenteritis. I know, I know what that is. That is not what it is. That, uh, that. And next, they still with a lot of pain. It kind of went quiet and diminished. And unfortunately, next day in the evening from London, I was flying to Australia to teach in the forest. And my the small incident of this is one of my. So I went right in Australia, still long flight, still with the pain, still with the hot flushes. And my, my mum was there to meet me, because she emigrated when she was 78, 78 to Australia. I said, Mum, I'm feeling really sick. Need to go to the A&E accident and emergency. And while waiting in the accident and emergency, the nurse came out with lots of people sick, you know, it's like you've been to these places. And finally, after half an hour, an hour, Mr. Christopher Titmus? And, uh, yes. and the nurse walked over, as I always remember, and the nurse said, Oh, Mr. Titmus, could you come? And, um, your wife is my 88 year old mother your wife could come with you and my mum bright as bright said that's not my husband that's my son <laughs> so the and I went oh, now I, I feel older now I had gallstones 22 of them there, a relationship with gallstones. And I said, why have I got them? I have a decent diet. And the doctor said, blame your mother. My mum said. And my mum had her gallstones out. My grandmother had her gallstones out. My great-grandmother. Now it's my turn. And I've warned my daughter So, came back home to England, he gave me um, penicillin, which was chill, chilled me out, and it was very helpful. And the doctor said, Christopher, you, you can have the surgery. I said, I live in Totnes. It's, you know, very alternative. I said, I live in Totnes, we don't do surgery, we do diet. And from that moment, I went to 95% 
vegan. Chai, that's too much to renounce. <laughs> and so far, the relationship with the Gallstones and I, we're getting on, getting on well together. No discomfort in ten years or, or more. I use it as a small example that sometimes we have the quiet determination to make a change in our life. Are you going to wait till you get sick? Like I did? Are you going to wait until it's too late? That's the point. So, in the exploration, obviously, one important aspect to all of this is the relationship to food. Uh, uh, and we have a lot to learn from the East. A lot to learn. There's still half the country here is still vegetarian. It's still the best use of land for growing rice and lentils and fruit and vegetables. And an animal, cow, consumes a huge amount of food and feeds very, very, very few people. And so from the environment, from us we explore this and say, really, in my life, and that's the purpose of this talk, this part of the talk, is please, please, look carefully into this. I'm actually not concerned with you and I living a long life. Not, not the purpose. <coughs> it's to live well. It's to live intelligently. It's to live happily. It's to live in a um, healthy relationship with the body. In looking and exploring the physical life and the, the manifestations and the uh, uh, expressions of it in the tradition, tradition of the Buddha, tradition of, uh, of uh, India, India too uh, as well, it was found beneficial and it may be the same for you and uh, I to, in the exploration of uh, the physical, to see it in elemental terms. And this is part of the daily practice here. I'll give some um, emphasis to it. There will be a guided uh, meditation in the evening. And it is said, quite regularly, with the Buddha and others, that there are six primary elements. So it's a, by contemporary standards, it's simplistic, but from the standpoint of practice, it's very, very helpful because we can experience it. We have to trust our white-coated scientists with their views, but with this analysis, we can experience it. And the experience here is king and queen. Here, experience is God. Slight exaggeration, but you get the point. And the six are earth element. I can experience it. I can experience the body as earth element. 
we, you and I, we sit on the cushion and the backside makes contact with the cushion. And that contact of the backside with earth element, with the earth element called the cushion, comes together and it generates a sensation just by my mentioning it to you right now you're experiencing the sensation when the eyes are closed who can make a difference when the eyes are closed between the cushion as elements and the backside as elements when the eyes are closed I can't separate the one from the other my eyes can. Oh, look. There's the cushion, there's the backside. The eyes make the separation. Convenient. But go to another sense called the body, and that separation of one from the other, in this experience of sensation, dissolves. We have an intimacy with the earth every moment of our life. Sitting in the chair, sitting on the cushion is the confirmation of the inseparability of the human being called this man, this woman and this cushion the same with the feet touching the ground we are intimately related so one is the earth element the next which we are exploring is the air element we breathe in and we breathe out what we breathe, we breathe in the air we breathe in the oxygen enters down into the cells and, uh, re, re, and it is released so there is an ongoing relationship to the earth element, air element the heat element and heat also has equally significance for us the air element is really important. Sometimes people say to me in retreats, Oh, so boring watching the breath, trying to watch the breath come in and out. My response is, Put your head in a bucket of water. The interest in the air element will increase dramatically within one or two minutes. We've got about three minutes of life left in us, maybe a little more, if there's no air around. It could be. All being well, with enough uh, calmness and equanimity, that we can mindfully breathe out our last outgoing breath of our existence and be clear and calm about it. It would be easier if we got some practice beforehand. That's all. Otherwise, ah. Earth element taking care of the body, posture, diet, movement, the wonder, the miracle of this phenomena.
the air element. And to breathe in air, to breathe it out, to feel the oxygen, to feel the, re- the release uh, of the air, to feel the air and oxygen entering into the cells. The heat element. Sometimes we are cold. It's a sensation. I hope you're all warm enough at uh, night, in the night time. Sometimes temperature drops. Sometimes there's coldness. Sometimes as well, one feels it's incredibly hot. There are various sensations which you and I have a relationship to. They're the bare elements. Body, air, heat, liquid. Sometimes we're thirsty. The blood is throwing, flowing through our veins. The sweat is on the, on the body. And with those four elements there, we have a relationship to each one. Comfortable, uncomfortable, content with, discontent with. The elements are not by themselves. There is a conscious human being called you, called me, who is experiencing these elements. <coughs> what is the relationship to them? Sometimes they're working harmoniously and beautifully. It's a privilege. Sometimes they're under stress and under pressure. Sometimes we feel the pain and the, uh, the age in the body, in the material. We, f- we feel the shortage of breath. Feel the heat in the body, the coldness in the body. We, we, we experience the blood, the water, the sweat, or whatever it might be. There's a relationship to it. So we say, yes, there are the elements, these four at the moment, and there is a relationship to it. And the fifth one is space. Element of space. And sometimes, as we all know, we need some space. We sometimes need some space for some silence, some space to be still. We need to find some space inside of ourselves when we're attacked, so to speak, by our own thoughts and our own drama and our story. We want some space around all of that. I have a very good friend, some of you will know, um, who is a precious and wonderful teacher who has pancreatic cancer. Really remarkable and exceptional and wise human being. And since the diagnosis, which initially started off with an intense yellowing of the eyes, the eyeballs, and then with the skillful and necessary diagnosis from uh, a medical team uh, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and the outcome of that has lost most of the cancer one of the most dangerous cancers that can affect a a human uh, being and it's been a a constant uh, struggle and to his everlasting credit with his uh, 
life living daily uh, uh, on the edge with a variety of periods of chemotherapy, uh, necessary uh, surgery and much in the way of alternatives. Now, this must be some three years I would think now, still remarkably still alive in this world, still offering uh, teachings, still seeing people and still using an extraordinary, apart from a really wonderful book on emptiness, but a, a, also an extraordinary sense of the creative and the of, uh, imagination and giving many, many profound talks uh, on these themes. And sometimes in these circumstances, and he is not the, not the only one, he, um, in his... Uh, in, in a period of time one can go to two highly respected oncologists with a wealth of experience of dealing with very dangerous, shall we call it, uh, cancers. And what do you, what's the response? When one goes to one and I've heard this a number of times, particularly with uh, other friends who are also with AIDS and other issues and one highly respected authority says I know it's making you really ill I know the treatment has a terrible impact upon you uh, but you really need to continue with the chemotherapy it's keeping you alive and another doctor highly respected (coughs) deeply well thought of top of his profession says to the same person look, you have to stop the chemotherapy your body really needs a break if you carry on it will kill you could I make a decision out of that the medication is never and could never be independent of the one who prescribes not easy it is not easy he put out a message recently not a a, a personal which friends have received and I just want to mention this uh, to you is of course he is making full use of complementary medicine the variety of uh, expansive resources which are available and in the message the request which he put out he asked and now I'm asking you whether uh, any kind of Knowledge, experience, um, approaches which might be helpful for a man who could be, possibly is, close to death, whose life is truly day to day in a way that perhaps you and I haven't yet known. And he'd like to hear other voices just to give 
I mentioned this recently amongst some friends in Australia and uh, one person um, on the retreat said to me that she di was diagnosed with lung cancer and she said one of the difficult things with this diagnosis is that people immediately assume you smoked almost immediately she said I've never smoked i never lived with a smoker I have lung cancer and it is inoperable I said what supports you she said I have an international community of non-smoking women and men with lung cancer she said I am so grateful for the worldwide net and the immense support and we keep in touch with each other and we tell each other what is, what's going on and where the developments are it's a great resource had one woman come to me and she said I had breast cancer I refused to have an operation her family thought she was mad she herself thought she was mad uh, there. how could you not she said I took a litre of pure organic um, carrot juice every day she said my skin went yellow she said I looked like a walking carrot and took it day in and day out week in and week out and the breast cancer faded away There are men and women with these kind of situations who explore and inquire there, looking at all the resources uh, there, and sometimes, 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 out of the combination, something contributes in the healing process. It could be diet, it could be bringing a lot more oxygen, it could be complementary medicine, it could be the necessary surgery or whatever. But my goodness me, one is a free human being and therefore the integrity of the freedom to explore. And therefore really keeping heart and mind open to the different diversity of avenues. And therefore all sickness is social. It's not personal. All sickness involves other people as well. A couple of years ago in here, we, we had the retreat, and in the evening time, I, I, uh, I, think, I think it was an inquiry session. I'll speak to you about that in a day or so. And one woman suddenly, out of the blue, this is the, the magic of um, meditation uh, here, it could happen to you. Uh, that, and I won't go into the details. The experience from the past which had troubled her 
very, very deeply and had never gone away, which she had lived with for two or three decades, I think she was in her late twenties or, or so, and had troubled her again and again there. Came up in the meditation, that of the inquiry, and it went. And she knew it, the issue was over. She could remember the event and there was no longer any drama, trauma, stress, worry, hurt, pain, anger. It had gone. Just a bare memory. And then, in this release, this is to remind, to be mindful here, in the release of the energy, she went out through that door and bless her, the sweetheart, she climbed the tree out there. Look, this is India. Trees are not too well rooted. Climbed up about three metres onto a branch, happy as a bird set free out of its cage and the branch broke. She dropped three metres. Ouch. Big time. The outcome of this, I learned how things are a little bit more social in, in India than here. So it was around, whatever, nine o'clock at night. We took, we told Sunu, got hold of him, rang, rang up, got a vehicle round, there was a doctor on the retreat, he very kindly went, another person, and they went off to Varanasi Hospital. I don't know if you've ever been in these state re hospitals, not the most recommended places, except for a learning experience. And right at the hospital, 11 by this time, it was 11, 11 uh, after uh, night, the waiting hall was full of the sick, the heart attacks the car accidents, the dramas, and, you know, the violence, and da 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 there. What was different, it was social. Everybody was in the hall in the accident emergency, and you weren't waiting your turn to be wheeled off into a corner to be looked at privately. The doctors and the nurses, bless them, was simply going from one person to another, treating them all together, no matter what it was uh, there. And there was so something rather comforting about it. There. Yes, I've, she'd broken her arm twice at the top. Extremely painful. But in that hole, actually, it wasn't so bad. And other people were smiling and talking and family and friends. You know, it's India. When one person gets sick, the whole family's got to be involved. And they're all, all together giving support to each other. 
It's powerful. The collective is powerful. The sharing is powerful. Being together is powerful. Still needing the correct analysis and process. We look at diet, one. We look at the elements, two. We begin to see sickness and pain instead of so personal, more social. How can we support uh, uh, each other? So that consciousness, as one element, is conscious of the elements. In your practice here, finally, to use your good practices here, and in that application of them, be aware, instead of my body, this is me, this is who I am, rather than that I and my, stay quietly, mindfully close to the body. It's not your possession. You're not the owner of it. It's a manifestation of nature. It's a, a, a formation of nature which we give care to and we're respectful to. <coughs> and then beginning to see this. At times, when you're experiencing the body, warm, warmth, oh, the heat element is revealing itself. Experiencing the body, ah, oh, the air element, experiencing that. Experiencing the body, the form of it, the matter, the backside, touching the cushion. Ah, the earth element is uh, there. The liquid element. Sometimes people say, Christopher, I'm sitting and there's a huge amount of saliva. I don't know why, coming up into my mouth and just filling my mouth up. Alright? Water element. Swallow it. Won't hurt you. It came back from where it came. Gone back to where it came from. And if it feels a little contracted in your meditation, space element. I'm not making it up. There is the actuality of the earth element, the material element, the cells, the bodily stuff. There is the air element. There is the heat element. There is the water element. There is the space element. And there is consciousness which is being conscious of it. And learning to see in such a way being conscious of, close to, intimate with. And if you develop that, you'll be fine. There'll be wisdom, there'll be clarity. And in the times when you and I are sick, you and I are experiencing some pain. You say, oh, there's an interaction going on here. And if we keep our clarity, we can take the wise steps about what to do with that. I gave a talk in Budgaya years ago. And I mentioned in the talk that the Buddha said that in his sitting meditation, in his old age, he was experiencing back pain. And right after the talk, 
the person said, one of the people on the retreat said to me, oh Christopher, could you get the quote, the actual text, the sutta, that means the discourse, where the Buddha said, in his meditation, he was experiencing back pain. I said, sure. He said, and would you send it to me? I said, of course, yes, I'll, I'll send it to you. And I sent it to him. He was writing a book about dealing with back pain. Many, many people experience back pain there. And he got the quote from me. And the title of the book was Even the Buddha Had Back Pain. Okay. Let's have a, a quiet minute together, shall we? May all beings live mindful lives. May all beings be in touch with their physical processes. May all beings live with clarity and wisdom. Thank you.